Hello, welcome to the High Hops Podcast with your host, Bradley Y. With me as always, the very lovely Beer oh. Guru. Oh. Phoebe Ward. Why am I lovely? What have you done? We're back after a couple of weeks off for various birthdays and anniversaries, mm. uh, most importantly ours. And we have been busy over the summer collecting various interviews with a variety of different uh, beer shops, both um, physical and online. We wanted to bring those to you um, and we'll be doing it in the way of three parts. This all started because of uh, what seemed to be just another beer. Another lager in the in the long list of lagers I'll be drinking throughout the year. <laughs> but it's a little bit more than that, Phoebe, isn't it? So do you want to talk about what exactly this beer was? Yeah, so uh, Don Zoko Brewing Company. Um, well, okay, no, it didn't start with Don Zoko. There is a forum uh, that uh, a lot of like independent uh, beer shops and businesses on Facebook, they kind of like, they chat, they kind of, you know, put ideas out there. And uh, Jules Grey of Hop, I hop hideout um put to you know it's it's covid we need to do something to you know gain support and stuff for us essentially and she put it to the group and she got don zoko brewing company on board to make a kind of special one not one off it might not be uh, a special beer that will only be sold in these businesses mm-hmm. as to raise money just for them. So we spoke to Vessel, Optimism, Coffee and Beer, Indie Beer, and Hop Hideout. And what you're going to hear over the next few episodes is sort of 30-minute chunks taken from each of those interviews. They were a lot longer, but we didn't want <laughs> it to drag on and on and on. Um, so we... Whilst we have spent most of this year talking to breweries about the difficulties they've faced, um, we felt it was also important to highlight um, a very important link in the craft beer scene, and that is our local beer shop um, and what they've all been doing to survive um, in this time. Another thing that we thought was quite relevant to maybe have a quick kind of chat about was a email that went round from Cloudwater. Whilst you know none of the beer shops felt comfortable having a chat uh, with us about it. This this week's episode is going to be speaking with Vessel and Optimism um, about being an online, you know, a physical shop and being an online shop in this time and, and the challenges they faced. Um, more importantly, we spoke to Vessel a lot about dealing with breweries um, and the positives and negatives and things that maybe customers don't even realise. So, Phoebe, what was this whole thing with Cloudwater? So, an email was sent out by Cloudwater, uh, just generally to people that have signed up to, you know, it's just their general emails that they send out. However, it had a little bit of a different tone to it. It covered multiple things. It, it covered uh, things about um, Black Lives Matter and other things. But essentially, it was... Um, they were basically saying uh, we are, you know, taking a look at the people that we distribute to and who we work with currently. And we're like doing a massive kind of cleanup. And there's a bunch of people that they wouldn't be distributing to anymore, either because of, uh, you know, I think they were just kind of just sticking local. When you say people, you mean beer shops? I mean beer shops, yeah. And probably online services as well. Um yeah, so it was like a, there was a weird dig about um, places looking after their beers and things like that. It felt a little bit like a jab to some people. Yeah, and so we felt it was important to kind of highlight that. So that's kind of where this this first part with vessels coming from. Whilst we don't talk about cloud water, and I'm you know we're not hundred percent sure on what the relationship between vessel and cloud water or any of these places between them and cloud water is. Um, you know. It's still horrible right now with the way that now that people are going a lot more directly to breweries and buying beer, Mm. the way that this email, even if it was unintentional, kind of says, hey, we don't we don't want to deal with beer shops either. Yeah. Or at least it comes across that way. And I wasn't sure if they'd even spoken to these like people that they had in mind before that email went out mm. so i think it was maybe like a bit of a, a confusing 
not very nice email to read for some businesses. Especially since at the beginning of the year, we actually, the last episode we did with Sam with Sam was about um, supporting independent beer shops. Yeah. That was a beer that Cloudwater and a project that they were, they had done it, you know, just as, um, just as we were going into lockdown. Yeah. That aside, let's go into the first of our five interviews. Mm-hmm. This first one will be with Vessel. Katie and Sam Congdon. We own Vessel Beer Shop in Plymouth. Um, that's probably all you need to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we kind of we've got some clips from previous episodes. We we'll just put yeah. them in. If, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll, <laughs> we'll obviously uh, be going into a few other things in this episode. But if you want to hear uh, hear these guys uh, before we've done episodes with both of them, we've had Sam on and we drank six Colonel beers. <laughs> we did over the course yeah, of an evening. That was good. That was a good <laughs> evening. And we also had Katie on later in the year to talk about the festival uh, that you guys were running. Um, and also to talk about your birthday beer. We've kind of spoken about your guys' kind of introduction into beer, but Vessel itself and starting in Plymouth, what was the beer scene like in Plymouth when you guys started it? And how do you feel Vessel is... What do you feel Vessel's impact on the beer scene is in Plymouth? One of the reasons we wanted to move... I wanted to move back to Plymouth and Katie wanted to move to Plymouth was um, we felt that the beer scene was so vibrant in, in other cities and we wanted to be the catalyst to start that in Plymouth. Um, there was Bread and Roses was going. Um, they It's weird that before we opened, their beer selection was really good. They had a lot of verdant in. Um, probably the first place I drank a couple of the old older versions of there you know the pope and the headband probably the first place i drank it anywhere in the country um and then when we came on uh, came in they they sort of changed their sort of approach a uh, much more another important aspect of the, of the plymouth sort of out you know going out scene is the lack of decent music <laughs> venues mm-hmm. um, and although they're they're only pub size i think they've refocused on music rather than beer mm. i think the person who ran it changed and so yeah it was weird that that happened at roughly about the same time as we came out yeah i think like when we used to come home and visit because we were living up in leeds at the time we noticed that there was really not a lot here in like other than bread and roses in terms of like craft beer like there was pubs um but it was all pretty standard, you know, St. Austell Brewery and generic kind of thing. Um, so I think we just wanted to do something a bit different and we hoped that it would be a catalyst for like more of a beer scene here because obviously we want to be able to go out to other places that aren't our place and enjoy, you know, these sorts of beers. Mm. So it wasn't really anything mm. in, in Plymouth at the time. Um so, yeah, it's nice to see where it's moved to now. Um, I think there's, like, us being there and being a bit of a hub for, like, craft beer has, I don't know, maybe spurred people on a little bit who were sort of dabbling on the edges or thinking about doing it and they weren't sure because I think that was a thing that a lot of people said to us is, like, isn't it a bit of a gamble doing something that Plymouth hasn't had before? And it was, but it turned out there was a market for it. There was a lot of people who were, you know, traveling to Bristol or Exeter or whatever to get this stuff or getting it online. So there was definitely a market for it there. So I think that sort of spurred people on who might've been just home brewing or thinking about doing something. So now there's several breweries. So obviously you've got Rome. I know Stannery aren't Plymouth, but they're only, you know, a few miles away. And then Steel have just opened as well. So um, yeah, I think there's a few like decent places and I wouldn't say that, you know, it's all because of us, but hopefully we've just been a bit of a catalyst to show that there is a market for it here. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think um, we've definitely heard people say that uh, Vessel started it all. So uh, people have. That's it. nice. That's one of the things we wanted to do. Yeah. Um, I found a lot of people after this kind of rush of support independence, um, people started buying directly from breweries um and whilst that was great and i sort of got wrapped up in that as well because it was like oh my god i can buy like 
all these really cool beers directly mm. from the beer, uh, the brewery itself. Um, I do, you know, appreciate the role that beer shops um, have, the, you know, the way you can go in and there's just a massive range of beers. Mm. You know, you don't get that if you're buying directly from just one brewery. How important do you feel independent beer shops are in the whole kind of ecosystem of like breweries and getting that to getting their beer to uh customers yeah so i think one of the important things to take into account at the minute with um every part of every angle of the business uh like craft beer industry at the minute we seem to be missing out key elements of the, of the process which is for me is like uh distributors are key for that mm-hmm. and you know as soon as lockdown happened, we actively wanted to continue to support the distributors who we've been buying off of because we could see that they were just about to get the rug pulled from under them because they're likely to, you know, they're going to buy in bulk mm. and then sell it on to us. So clearly, as soon as it goes direct to brewery, um, either direct to customer or direct to beer shop, those distributors are no longer going to exist. And, you know, some of the newest breweries that we've discovered were recommendations, tip-offs, or new beers on a list from a distributor. And those tiny breweries, the only way they could get into across the country is these really small distributors supporting them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, you know, that's a big concern for me is that these distributors don't exist anymore. Mm. Um, I think it's like... I can totally see it from a customer perspective, you know, especially at the moment, like everyone's strapped for cash and whatever. And you think, well, I like this brewery. I want to support this brewery. I know that I'm going to enjoy the beers from this brewery. So I'll order direct from them. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely understand that. But yeah, as Sam says, you're cutting out other people in the supply chain. And I think customers probably half the time don't really even realize that distributors are a part of that supply chain because they don't have any direct contact with customers. Um, So I think a lot of the time, you know, supporting those different elements of the supply chain is really important because when we're back to normal, we don't want the beer scene to have shrunk to only the people that were kind of the strong enough to survive. Um, And I know, you know, that's capitalism and that's how it works, but I don't think anyone anticipated six months or a year ago that this was going to happen and people you know even with the best will in the world not everyone's got contingency for that like we're really lucky because I have a whole other income you know so whatever happens with the shop like push comes to shove I'll support us Mm -hmm. you know it's not ideal but um that's kind of our safety net whereas not everyone's got that so I think the more people in the supply chain that we can all support the more people that that's keeping in a job and you know that are going to be around when we're back to normal again that's interesting about the distributors because that's probably someone that has come up and it isn't something i'm kind of actively thinking of have there have have there been any any distributors that have completely gone then or have they all kind of just suffering at the moment no but if it wouldn't surprise me right it wouldn't surprise me if a few drop off um or completely switch to being unfortunately an online shop and then competing with us mm. um but yeah I, the ones the ones we deal with are either like james clay are, are big and massive but they're you know they've they've been around a long time they're arguably one of the one of the distributors that started the whole craft beer scene in the uk um so they're our big distributor that we get a lot of international, like classic international stuff off of. Mm. Um, but, you know, you know, I think one of the biggest issues is that all these 30-day terms that people deal with, and I know some breweries have been kicking off about everything's on credit and then paid like 30 days down the line. We've never done that. We, we've, we've actively paid stuff as, as either before delivery or as soon as it turns up mm-hmm. there's been a few admin errors on my behalf especially if the beers turn up on a friday afternoon and the, the bar's full yeah um, and i've not i've forgotten about it but you know we try not to leave anyone waiting for money mm-hmm. and i think that's definitely something that distributors as soon as that rug was pulled a lot of a lot of uh, bars and that, that owed them money just went that's it um we're not you know we're not in a position to pay you now 
Um, so I think that needs to get better. But yeah, I, th- I think there's a lot of debt out there that distributors are chasing at the minute. Or even worse, they would have had a load of kegs and no one to sell them to. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of spoiled beer that's sadly gone gone for good now. And we, you know, consciously try to keep selling draft beer throughout this time on the growler fields just to... We were lucky with that, that we've got that system. Yeah, I mean, we wouldn't have put that in specifically for this, but because we had it, you know, even though Sam has to spend basically the whole of Friday filling growlers every week for, for the weekend deliveries, so it is a faff. Mm. Um, it means that we could kind of get through our stock of kegs and then start hopefully buying more kegs off people. Yeah. But yeah, I think like I feel for everyone at every stage, like the brewers, the distributors, the beer shops, everybody has suffered through this time. And I kind of don't begrudge anyone trying to do what they need to do to make their business survive, you know, and I understand the decisions that have been made by a lot of people, even if some of the time it's not great for us personally. I respect their decision because, you know, they're trying to keep their business afloat and keep paying their staff and whatever but hopefully everyone will kind of come out the other end. I mean, I know there are some beer shops that have yeah, gone or I mean, are potentially going. So one of a very important one in Leeds, Beer Ritz, again, one of the oh, first yeah. ones. They've been they've been going almost as long as North Bar in terms of it. They went their shop. They've got a wholesale element as well and an online element, I think, as well. But their shop in Headingley. Old, old school off license on a corner so they sold all sorts but like that's the first place I ever bought carnal mm. beers I used to get the bus out there and grab some carnal actually pretty much anything in bottle the first place I ever tried it was there really mm. um, yeah they sadly announced that they were closing obviously having to lay off some staff yeah. uh, for that yeah I think there's a few different ones that have either closed or kind of are really suffering and potentially won't survive I mean I think like we've seen definite fluctuations through lockdown. Like at the beginning, everyone was like super keen to support independent businesses. And that was lovely. And it was so nice to see. And we were doing like, you know, 60 deliveries on a weekend or whatever. And then kind of over time, it's like dwindled off a bit, especially since the pubs opened, which again is completely understandable. But I feel like for some people, like the novelty's wearing off and they just want to get back to doing whatever they were doing before and buying stuff where they were buying it before. Um, so I think this is probably going to be like quite a tricky time, especially if you can't reopen properly. Like, you know, our space is so small. If Even if we did open for people to come in, like drinking in, you could only really have one table. Mm. So is it really worth either us being there or, you know, paying staff. You probably have to shut the shop element at the same time as people drinking in. Because mm. yeah. you wouldn't want people coming in and out. Yeah. yeah. And then you don't know if people are going to sit there and nurse a half for like, you know, yeah. an hour and a half and you're going to make 15 quid yeah. in the yeah. evening or whatever. Yeah. So for us, it's just not worth reopening at the moment. And a lot of other venues will be exactly the same. Yeah. There'll be only ones which have drinking element in their sort of business uh yeah well definitely uh, of the smaller ones because there's loads you know most of the independent beer shops in the country aren't chained so individual normally family-owned um businesses with one venue pretty small serving their local community yeah um so yeah they're they're not going to be in a position really we're luckier than a lot of people in the way luckier we've got the flexibility to do sort of what we've done and we've got you know some enough loyal customers that have kept buying yeah like every week or every other week or whatever throughout the whole time but i think it's a long way from being back to normal so throughout all of this how do you feel your relationships have actually changed with breweries um do you feel connected to them or have you felt kind of shut off um from a lot of the bigger guys now i think how mad it was for these breweries during lockdown and the worry about overhead and loss of income they made decisions for themselves or in some cases they made decisions to support other breweries and forgot about the other elements of the 
the supply chain that needed support as well. Mm-hmm. And I, we don't blame them for that. But, you know, they they were making those decisions either to support themselves or to support their friends in the business, mm. uh, in the industry. And, you know, um, we, we've unfortunately had the, the side effect of some of those decisions. Yeah, I think there's a lot of kind of behind the scenes factors that have probably played into, you know, the decisions that have been made by breweries or other businesses in terms of like how much debt are they carrying you know how sort of secure is their business in the first place Mm. um like quite early in lockdown um left-handed giant did a really good blog post about that about you know if this had all happened a year or so before like when they hadn't opened up their new tap room and everything and they weren't as secure as they currently are they probably wouldn't have survived it because they wouldn't have had that like financial base and it was really interesting he like broke it down in so much detail about kind of the financial position that they were in and what position other people were potentially in and how that was going to influence like what happened to businesses or the decisions that they made and I thought you know that was another perspective that you don't necessarily always hear Mm. um so I think there's a lot of those kind of behind the scenes things happening you know as I say like we're lucky that I have a job outside of the shop that that's kind of our safety net Mm. whereas if your business is your entire income you're likely to make quite different decisions and you know have to be more selfish because otherwise you know you're gonna lose your house or whatever whereas for us it's just been about keeping the business afloat as an entity because you know, I can pay for the the rest of the stuff if if we need to. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I kind of I wouldn't judge anyone too harshly for the decisions that they've made because I don't know, like all you know what they're going through and what's influencing those decisions. And I'd, I'd like to give people the benefit of the doubt that they're not being completely cynical. Yeah, yeah, it has been uh, some cases that um, since they've realised they've made those mistakes. Some have been quite honest about it and then others are trying to change the dialogue to make it sound like the only viable way to run their businesses going forward, even outside of COVID, is just to sell direct. Um, I'm starting to get that vibe off of a couple of places, which is a worry because that's not the only way. And those potential breweries lose... The reach, they might think they've got the reach online, but I get a good example. You know, our, when our festivals on the amount of bre- really well-known breweries who were there, where most people who went up to them didn't know who they were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't know that they were the the big, huge UK craft brewery. Uh, never heard of them. Mm. I was chatting to them, and like the people behind the bar were like, "This is such uh, a nice experience to have that we're." It was a no hype festival, mm. yeah, sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, like you know, the fastest stuff to sell out at the first one was um, Partisan Brewery from London, who mm. are definitely not a hype brewery, mm. um, but like they're a low ABV, was it like lager? First thing to sell out. <laughs> uh, if you went to any um, of the big festivals, yeah. There'd be massive queues for the the, the hype breweries, yeah, yeah. and those smaller breweries would be the last to sell out if they even did sell out. So yeah, it, you know, I think that's what they lose from going very insular long term yeah. and cut everything out. You lose that that broad range. Um, I mean, I think luckily, like, there's so many breweries out there now that if a few choose to change their business model, hopefully, it won't. You know, yeah. it will mean that we can't get their beers anymore, but there'll be plenty of other breweries that we can stock. Yeah. So, I, you know, unless it shifts the whole industry to a point where, like, most breweries are selling direct to customers and most customers are just buying direct from breweries and it kind of cuts the rest of us out of the loop. Um you know, all beer shops have to pivot to be in bars because, you know, you can buy your cans online, but you can't by draft beer online mm. so there's always going to be a demand to drink like to stand and have a drink and chat to people so I think it'll be interesting to see what the kind of industry-wide 
impacts are as opposed to like this brewery's chosen to change their business model or that brewery's you know gone direct sales only if it's just the odd one then good luck to them but if it changes the whole landscape I think that will be what's interesting and what people then do to kind of deal with that I I think as well if breweries the bigger breweries you know take this route and they go we're just going to sell directly to consumer and they're sort of ignoring the you know the wider community the other breweries the ups you know the, the new one the new breweries that find life in beer shops and you know the way that they're discovered is by you know people that run beer shops going this is really good we need to show this to our, our customers um you you lose on that competition because your beers are no longer on a shelf next to someone else and like kind of what you're saying here is like down here you go in and you see you know northern monk and you see that next to an upstart like pipeline or you know relatively local one and people are not going to know the difference between them but if you drink both of them and one of the breweries is goes goes you know we're massive we don't need to worry about kind of what our beers are like in comparison to other people someone drinks those two and goes i prefer one over the other and for them that name doesn't matter yeah and it's no longer about striving to be competitive to your to the other breweries you're just kind of believing your own hype i guess yeah yeah i mean i think what would probably end up happening is if it was all like brewery direct customer sort of model is you would end up a lot of people would just buy from their local brewery Mm. and those local breweries unless they manage to get some hype through like instagram influencers or whatever would remain local breweries yeah um and they wouldn't have that national reach because you know unless the breweries start acting as bottle shops in themselves which we're starting to see a little bit of that happening already but unless breweries step in and not just sell their own beer direct to customers but sell other breweries beer direct customers Mm. so it just becomes like a web of beer and we're not part of that anymore i think breweries would struggle to get much traction outside their local area yeah you've got people like don zoko and obviously jules from hop hideout who organized this specific beer that can only be bought in r&d beer shops but is there anything that you can think of that um can be done to kind of you know kind of get people to support independent businesses again like like yourselves and um whether it's the breweries doing it or you know just kind of anything like that have you had a little thought of yeah i mean there's, there's a few things i think people need to be more vocal online about when they're supporting it not just beer any independent local independent people just need to be more like some people need to be more vocal online that they're using that business mm-hmm. especially with all the stuff that's happening outside like in the food industry at the minute the fact that there's these vat cuts the big boys are going to win most out of that because they're going to have the, the marketing and advertising power. You know, my deliveries on a Saturday now are slowed down by the fact I'm having to go through three different queues around Plymouth for McDonald's on a Saturday. <laughs> and they're literally causing traffic jams. Yeah. Right. And it's like, just please, please just go to an independent. There's, there's so many passionate food makers in Plymouth. Mm-hmm. Um, use them. Especially, you know, especially now, um, use them. And, you know, again, the price point, it's the same with beer. The price point, I get it. Um, but this eat out scheme, that should be used not for big chains, that should be used for the small independents. Mm-hmm. Um, the government obviously hasn't set that, but, I, I, you know, that's what people should be doing is using that money saving to go and pay what they normally pay, but pay it to a decent independent rather than these big multinationals. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably the easiest thing that people can do. And just for people to carry on being quite conscious about like, who are you buying from and who are you helping with that purchase? Like if you need to buy that thing anyway, like where can you get it from? But it's going to help a real person at at the end of that kind of process. Mm. Um, And just be a bit more conscious with your purchasing. Once again, um, thank you very much for Sam and Katie for taking the time out and chatting with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was always great to uh, hear their opinions. Sorry, we could want, like some well, same with all of these 
uh, interviews. It's a shame we couldn't use the whole interview, um, but obviously we cover a lot of the same kind of point with a lot of them. So we wanted it to feel like each little interview um, felt different from the others. Mm -hmm. um, once again, as we said, you can support um, Vessel. Um, if you live at Plymouth Local, they are now available to collect um, and they still offer deliveries on Saturday. They're still doing events as well. So if you're on the Facebook, they do like meet the brewers and events on Zoom. So that's obviously something almost anyone can get involved with. Exactly. So. There's been a couple of really good ones recently yeah. um, uh, revolving around um, North Brews um, beer selection and also um, a celebration of Michael Jackson. Uh, yeah, that beer, was good. Beer Hunter. That was a good one. Anyway, our next one is taking, looking, taking a step back from a physical shop and going into the virtual world. We spoke to Optimism. Um, who are Optimism in a nutshell, Phoebe? Optimism are a online beer shop. So a bit different. This one is a lot more around, you know, how how it's been, you know, how how the kind of the transition from pre-COVID to current COVID mm. has been for him. It's obviously affected him a lot diff more differently. It's affected him a lot less than most physical shops in the fact that he pretty much just operates from his house anyway. Um, but we thought it was a good way of comparing contrasting him to Vessel and all the other ones we've spoken to. Um, and also just a chance to kind of talk about how you, as an online beer shop, find a customer base. You know, mm -hmm. it's so easy to get people from your local community because you open up and, you know, promote yourself and go to events and people can go, hey, I'm going to, you know, pop along to a local beer shop. Yeah. Can't necessarily do that when you're an online shop. Mm -hmm. But he's embraced that in a way that, you know, he sees that now as his community is anyone across the UK rather than just being his local community. So it was a good chance for us to learn more about that. Hi, I'm Rob. I run a company called Optimism. We're an online only uh, craft beer store. Been running since early 2014. I started setting up. I think we took our first order August 2014. So we're coming up to our sixth anniversary. Uh, no big parties planned, I'm afraid. <laughs> You're based in Loughborough, correct? That's right, yeah. It's halfway between uh, Leicester and Nottingham, for those yeah. that don't know. Um, <laughs> There's, there's no craft beer shops mm. in Loughborough. There was one in Leicester, the offie that I used to use, and um, a good one opened in Nottingham about the same time as uh, I started up. But no, it was pretty slim pickings in uh, 2014. <laughs> so I was, I was a bit disillusioned in my job at that time, and I was spending quite a lot of my salary on online deliveries. We know what that's like. <laughs> so I thought it would be quite nice if... Uh, Loughborough had a shop. Mm -hmm. So I thought I'd be the man to do it. So I started uh, online only, and that was only the, the plan until we found our feet, got the customer base, mm. so I could look at venues to, you know, in time open a shop. That ended up not happening, <laughs> um, which, you know, it's nearly happened on occasions. We've, I've looked at some, had some good offers, but in the end it's never been quite right. I've never been quite too sure about the local area. Mm -hmm. Um one of the things being that when I, I thought there was a bigger local custom, potential custom, than, than I was able to discover. Mm. Um, but the online sending boxes out through the post up to Aberdeen and Plymouth and wherever, that skyrocketed. Mm. So in order to open a shop, it had to be the right one because, you know, there's no staff to employ, no bills, no rates. Yeah. And that's how it stayed. Um, and to be honest, in you know, with what's happened this year, it might be a bit of a blessing. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah. <laughs> having not having a physical space must be quite a relief for you at the moment, yeah. I imagine. Absolutely, and just all the you know all, all the worries with you know I don't really come into contact with the public. Mm. Yeah, I've had to make I've had to make a few changes because um, I do offer free delivery to the local area, mm. and most of the time that would be me. Yeah, and that's what I thought would be a, a, a nice draw. Uh, for people around here that they could get the delivery in the evening or the weekends or whenever suited them because i know quite a lot of people would get annoyed like mm. i would when i was ordering you know if you're <laughs> out or you have to get delivered to your work or yeah. blah blah mm. blah so that's had to change so when the, the lockdown started 
I've started sending out even local ones, mm-hmm. you know, through the courier network. Yeah. But other than that, really not a lot's changed. How do you draw people in and how do you get past that barrier of, I can go to a beer shop and go, hey, I don't know anything you've got in here. I like this. Mm. How do you how do you respond to that? Uh, those challenges? Yeah, obviously, that, that's one thing that, that is a bit unfortunate, especially mm. when um, sometimes you see there are there are lines of nice beer that <laughs> you really want everyone to try. Yeah. And just no one's going for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I've just had to spend a lot more time than I previously was on social media. Yeah. Um, being part of uh, Facebook groups, mainly, um, and being on hand for when people ask for recommendations mm. word of mouth it's a big thing so I know friends have put friends in touch with me mm-hmm. and then i have spent you know quite a long time with individual people going through their tastes uh what they like what they don't like and sorting that out and offering bespoke boxes okay um so you know people can say you know here's 60 quid yeah mm. um here's what i think i like pick for me yeah okay that's um, good and and i was you know, I've always had good feedback off those. Mm. And I've certainly got customers that came to me, you know, four or five years ago asking for a bit of help that now don't need any help. Yeah. And, you know, order plenty of beer from us still. Okay. So, so yeah, that's that's probably the, the one thing that is, is a negative compared to having an online store, an actual store, sorry, is that sort of face-to-face mm. help but uh, it, but it does happen we do get plenty of messages on a daily basis and like i say just being a presence online ready yeah. to answer questions i think it's good though from from a, a customer's uh end that you are engaging with people if they email and they go hey i like this can you recommend something because i don't see this exact beer what would you recommend because I think there are a lot of uh, options online for ordering your beer remotely at the moment and i don't think you have a lot of those other places that won't necessarily respond if you don't know what you want. Like they might get, you know, on the website, might just go, hey, here's, you know, editor's choice of beer for the month. Mm. But that's really all you're getting. So I think having that option of being able to communicate with you, I've seen, you know, I've seen you got you specifically kind of messaging on Facebook pages when people are like looking for specific beers, you know, jumping in there and kind of engaging with the community, which is part of that shop experience. Yeah but you're bringing it online. Was that something you were very conscious you had to do? Or was that just kind of, you knew, you know, it was just, you had to do it because people weren't coming in. No, to be honest, I'm, that's the kind of thing I'd like to have done anyway. Yeah. Helping people and, and, you know, probably not very sensibly. A lot of the time I will recommend what I think is the right beer for them, even if I don't have it. Yeah. <laughs> I've, um, you know, I've pointed people in the direction of other shops. Mm. Um, you know, in an ideal world, people have done the same Yeah. to me, but, uh, yeah, I've always I've always been like that. You know, I've been drinking beer a long time, and uh, if and before I opened a shop, you know, beer was my main hobby. Yeah, <laughs> so I've always enjoyed talking about beer. I've always enjoyed helping people find new beer. Mm. You know, I'd always be the one taking a bottle of something new to a party and trying to open yeah. people's eyes. So yeah, we're very familiar yeah, with doing we're that. Like that. It's not something I had to consciously mm-hmm. do. It's great when, you know, it turns into an order and a new customer. But That's cool, yeah. And on your website, it says that um, it, it kind of exists due to direct relationships with the breweries. So did you um, kind of do that beforehand? Did you build on relationships before officially opening the business? Or uh, was that kind of a, a coincidence? Did you know people anyway? I knew a couple of people from meeting people at festivals or going to the breweries drinking. But as soon as I knew what, I wanted to do and I was setting up the business you know I just got in contact with loads of breweries direct and um you know quite a lot of those relationships exist today mm. um so I mean some of them changed you know they'll have said along the way we'd prefer for you to go through wholesale you know because it's better for them mm. we did so and that, actually that's one thing that's been interesting this last few months is when some wholesalers shut I actually had to go back yeah to people and um sort of reignite what we were doing in 2016 which was <laughs> quite nice are there any i mean you don't have to name any breweries specifically but have there been any breweries that have been fantastic during lockdown like very early on or like you know they, they might have shifted like ha, ha, what has it been like dealing with a few breweries has there, has there been any that have gone above and beyond and helped supported you in this time the, the one that springs to mind is um polly's uh mm-hmm. in mold mm. um whilst you know 
I could sit here and list off 20, 30, 40 breweries that have been excellent. Mm. They're always excellent. Mm. Um, but Polly's been brilliant. We've been getting weekly emails, you know, saying exactly what's going on, you know, who's been furloughed, what they're brewing, why they're doing what they're doing, case limits, blah, blah, blah. They're just the communication from them has just been absolutely spot on. Mm. And you look at that and you go, that's how I would like to have done this if I mm. was a brewery their size. Like I say, there's been loads of brilliant ones. Um, but yeah, they would stand out as the ones that have uh, have done the pandemic properly. Yeah. One thing that did change uh, when lockdown started is nearly every brewery went to payment up front. Mm. Um, some already did that. Um, some offered terms. Um, some did some offered a mix a wholesaler that we used that would give you a discount based on how early you paid mm-hmm. um but yeah we've seen more and more on pro forma and it's just all i say it's completely understandable mm-hmm. yeah you know it, it might make it difficult for some shops because you know you've got to sell three quarters of the box before you start making any profit so yeah. you, you know one thing we don't have is a bulging bank account mm-hmm. yeah because even when you have a fantastic week or month you're always looking ahead yeah. to what you're buying next. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I'd have no qualms with with people who do that. And like I say, it's probably about half the people we're dealing with are now on pro forma. Mm. Um, it's quite nice from our perspective, knowing that you've got most of it paid off. Yeah. There's nothing worse than owing people money and then the orders slow down and yeah. you yeah. feel bad. There's not much you can do about it. If everybody shifted to do it, like I say, there might be a bit of difficulty yeah in some areas but it'd just be something to deal with yeah i couldn't blame any brewery for doing it no yeah i can imagine i'd want i'd want to do it that way just kind of breathe and know that the transaction is done you're the first person we've spoken to who is online only um so i mean we i mean our experience is through vessel yeah and they've only gone online because of uh covid and things like that so have you felt more of a, a competition because of covid uh, yeah, because obviously, have you felt like people have trailed away and gone elsewhere? No, not really. I, I think it's a bit, still a bit too early to tell um, what happened on that front. Basically, as it went, when that message went out on a Friday night um, saying that there was going to be a lockdown and who would be shut down, obviously there was actually a bit of worry that we wouldn't be allowed to trade. Mm. You know, we had to wait for that specific online shopping can continue and check that our courier would still collect. Um, but as soon as that did happen, yeah, the orders just flew mm. through right. the roof. And it was the same <laughs> for every every online shop that I know. Um, people just suddenly went into panic buying. Yeah, you know, it was, it was like the toilet roll or whatever. <laughs> and yeah, that was pretty mad. And it took quite a few weeks to catch up. Probably a few months, mm. actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, and whilst it has got quieter recently. I th- you know, there's not enough pubs and shops fully opened mm, yeah. for for everyone to have, to have gone back. Um, business is still a bit higher than it was, you know, pre-lockdown. So I can't say I've noticed, you know, losing business to mm. other shops. Mm. Um, and it's completely understandable that, you know, shops have had to take measures to, to get online and get the stuff out there. Yeah. Obviously, I have noticed a lot more people advertising and promoting their shop yeah. online but you know yeah they've got a shop full of beer and they need to sell it i know yeah you gotta do what you gotta do haven't you? you also i guess have the benefit because this was always your your bread and butter you've got a system in place for doing it whilst a lot of people are learning this um uh um what was the sour vault city so they they're a brewery but obviously they moved online to sell their beers and had to shut down for a period of time because they realized they just weren't doing it properly. Beers were arriving either wrong or broken. Mm-hmm. You've obviously, you, you've you developed this as an infrastructure so people can go to you and know that, you know, you've experienced this before lockdown and after lockdown, this is how you'll you'll keep going. How do you kind of ensure that level of kind of quality? Yeah, it, it took, a, it, I mean, it took a, a while mm. for us to, you know, find the right packaging, the right courier, to get everything nailed down and that was in a time of like no stress yeah. <laughs> you know we, we were with um uk mail and things were getting smashed so we had time to go and investigate who else was better mm. were the boxes right you know we got to go and sample here sample there yeah you know go with the one we were happy with so people 
having days mm -hmm. to work out how to do this, you can see how yeah. people might have got it a bit wrong yeah. or found it not as easy as it looks. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, you know, I've, I've seen a few posts of people with their package arrived and they're saying, who thought it was a good idea to pack it like this? Yeah. <laughs> like, well, well, I might have done once upon a time. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like it's new. Like, like, give them a break. Yeah, you don't really think of it. Yeah. Why is it important at the moment to be for you, uh, to highlight uh, independent beer shops when obviously there are so much, so so many options now, especially in supermarkets. Tesco and Morrison's are constantly growing and growing their craft beer section. Why is it important now more than ever? Um, for independent shops yeah and and that would have been a question whether or you know regardless of whether there was a, you know, a pandemic going on mm. the, the supermarkets in particular have been getting better and better for mm. for a while now and that's great for the consumer um you know if, if you want to be able to pick up some nice three for a five of beer with your shopping you know that's wonderful um but you know they I'm sure they will, they will drop lines as quickly as they take them on. Mm. You know, um, I'm not particularly sure they care about particularly where they come from. Um, and I, I do think that they're a very big danger to breweries and shops alike. So I, th I think you get something special with an independent beer shop. You know, there's usually somebody who's passionate and wants to get the best product to them. Um, and they're driven primarily from the love of beer mm -hmm. mm. rather than the um, the uh, the money. Yeah. Uh, because uh, why you'd be in this game for the money, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you don't see many uh, shop owners or brewers driving around in Porsches, you know. Yeah. Um, so, you know, my message has, has always been trying to tell people that, you know, they're able to undercut us you know, by going in at low margins or even at a loss. Yeah. Um, and and it, it, it's it's the case of educating people. Mm -hmm. um, but it is hard and it's getting harder because you can get, you know, beer there for £3 that, you know, I'll be selling for 5 or £6 for similar quality. Yeah. And so the, the argument, you know, gets a bit watered down there. You can't, mm -hmm. it, it's... It's hard. There's a, there's a bit of a, a culture nowadays of people who like to always tick new beers. So, you know, you're not going to be able to get that down the supermarket. Yeah. They stick yeah. with, uh, when they release a new beer, it's a new beer mm. every couple of weeks, mm. you know. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's hard. And one thing I have to do is, you know, be very wary of what beers might be going to supermarkets or what beers have just gone into supermarkets. Because yeah. I have to, as much as I, I love the beers i have to delist them as soon as in a supermarket because people can make a direct comparison yeah and you couldn't blame them for into conclusions that i'm you know taking the mick and you know making a huge profit but mm. you know on some beers i'm paying the brewery more than the supermarket is selling it to the consumer yeah, yeah. and it's just not you know it, it's it's very difficult and i've had to delist quite a lot of beers yeah. sadly do you get informed do you sort of have an idea when a when a brewery is about to move a can over and sell um sell it in wholesale to a supermarket or is it is it usually quite yeah. quiet for you nasty surprises you sometimes hear rumors mm -hmm. i mean but even last month we placed an order with a brewery on the friday and as the beer arrived on the monday they announced that four of those beers were in morrison's yeah and it, it's difficult but as I said earlier, you know, people have got their business to run. They've got their own reasons for doing things. Yeah. But um, it does, it actually worries me when I see breweries commit to supermarkets so heavily. And, you know, there have been ones that have gone under. Yeah. Um, I don't know the complete ins and outs, but there was a brewery a few years ago called the Kilt Experience. And I might be wrong, but I was led to believe that a major factor in them closing was that they'd increased their production and paid money to get new kit in to mm -hmm. deal with the the Tesco demand, mm. and then they were dropped. Ugh. And I might be wrong, so but mm -hmm. you know, it's not. That's a that's a likely that thing that could certainly happen, and it's something that breweries should definitely consider if they're going to make that jump. But this is why um, it's so great that people like um, Jules in Hot Pied Out and Don Zoko are willing to kind of you know help help out the little people. Yeah. Um, so I I think you know more breweries uh, should definitely be getting. 
onto that movement. And, you know, most of them do, mm. and that's mm. great. Mm -hmm. So we just like to champion them. Yeah. Don't worry about the ones that don't. <laughs> and online, obviously, you're as we've mentioned already, you're, you're an online shop. You've always been online. There are other online shops, but some of them aren't necessarily independent. So I believe... More what's, subscription services. Yeah, what's your kind of thoughts of these? I guess your direct competitors in in the um in the online field. What's your kind of advice to consumers when they're choosing to buy online? Yeah, I've always um, been pleased to be part of, um, especially groups on Facebook where people get a lot of their information from. Um, that that people will quickly tell people which particular shops are owned by which, mm. you know, beer Goliath. And, you know, to some people, it doesn't matter and fair play, you know, and there's probably areas of my life where I spend things and should be going independent more. Yeah. Um, but um, I think it, it's important as we supermarkets to tell people, you know, who they're giving their money to, um, and, you know, and more often than not, these places will be cheaper than us. Mm. Um, and so it's, it, it, again, it's, it makes the argument harder because especially when it's the same beer for it cheaper, but, they have to understand that these people have purchased power and they can buy yeah. three pallets of it and I can only buy a couple of cases of it. Yeah. But there'll always be competition. I think it's, again, it's, it's, it's education. It's, mm. it's key. So luckily there's lots of people out there that will do that for us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the craft beer community is very vocal. Oh yeah. It certainly is. <laughs> Sometimes to its detriment, but yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much for Optimism for coming on as well and having a chat with us. You can find uh, them online on Facebook. Yep. And yes, you have the benefit of with this one, if you live anywhere in the UK, they will deliver. Yeah. So that's quite a handy thing. Um, we'll be back again next week with part two, where we will be hearing from... Coffee and beer. And also indie beer. Yes, um, and then we'll be rounding that off with part three where we speak to Hop Hideout and we actually will be doing a quick review of uh, the Indigraph beer. Um, less a review, more just talking about maybe the brewery itself because um, it's not really about reviewing this beer, it's more about what the beer was trying to do. But we'll get to that in the coming weeks. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, we really appreciate any support on these episodes. We put a lot of work into trying and get them to happen phoebe put a lot of effort into contacting all of these so thank you very much for this and i've had to go through about seven hours of <laughs> interviews to get the down get this down to about three around three so uh any sort of like you know uh please like us uh sub subscribe please <laughs> please follow us on your podcast and choice of choice and recommend us to a friend it's uh, always helpful you can find us on spotify itunes castbox google podcasts um, and you can also find Phoebe on Untapped, yep. where you can see what she's been drinking. And you can find us on Instagram, Instagram Facebook, Facebook, and Twitter. Twitter. And you can email us at hellohighhops at gmail.com for any recommendations. Recommendations, just like general stuff. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Goodbye.